2: No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.
3: Previously on Who Killed Amy Maholovic.
2: We love you, Amy. We love you. We support you. We send everything good out of our hearts to you. Send some message. Find some way to come home.
3: 35 FBI agents were assigned to the Maholovic case. 100,000 man hours had been logged. And practically everyone involved in the investigation were clinging to hope that Amy would be found alive.
1: A
0: female jogger was jogging this morning at approximately 7.30, and uh, she spotted something in the field and went off the field and checked, and it was a body.
2: Amy
1: was in fifth grade at Bay Village Middle School, and as school let out, the faces of students spoke
3: anger and despair. Being kidnapped, and she, she's with God now, so it'll be fine. Just sick. We'll they they just find anything. him. And- Rest
0: them. With, with Margaret leaving and uh, uh, her passing then
1: I'm the only one left. You know Margaret's passed on but Mark and you know, the rest of the family are still there and we want to make sure we provide that closure. It's important. You know we have some you know we have bait in the net to some extent. We have uh, stuff out there we look at that's important. And uh, you know we, we want information that somebody thinks is viable but we continue to reevaluate all these things as new information comes available, or, like I said, we'll reevaluate the case. We'll bring in a fresh set of eyes to say, you know, you look at this. National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. We brought them in to take a look at it. You know, we, because we get kind of focused on what we think. Well, what do you think? You haven't lived this. Take a look and tell me what you think. And so we've done that on several cases, and that's provided new information. But. Um, the same fact pattern, the fact patterns never change, you know, the, the basically that, you know, she was lured to that center uh, to be taken, probably for a sexual purpose, ended up being killed and her body was found down in Nashville County. Those are facts that are indisputable and those are the facts we go with to help build that case out.
3: I am Bill Huffman and welcome to this week's episode of Who Killed Amy Mahalovic. On last week's episode, we let speculation run wild as James Renner and I discuss possible suspects in the Amy Maholovic case. Speculating on a crime such as Amy's, one that is nearly 30 years old, can sometimes lead to new information. But sometimes it may confuse the listener because they may take that speculation as fact. It has been my goal throughout this series to leave it up to the listener to determine whom they think may have committed this crime. James Renner has his own opinions, much like many people who know this case do, and James has a suspect that he believed killed Amy, and he has spent almost a decade trying to prove this theory. What James says shouldn't be taken as fact, but more of as an idea or theory of what may have happened. James and I can disagree on who may have committed this crime, but I do believe it is important to hear all theories after 29 years. Listeners can make up their own mind on whether James Renner's suspects fit their list. Facts will be what solve this case, but if you don't listen to all the theories that have been presented over the years, you are doing a disservice to the listener if you don't discuss what people have published before. When you investigate a case and produce a podcast about a case such as Amy Maholovic's, you must listen to all sides of the aisle. People have their own theories, and the best way to deal with them is to let people speak their mind so their story can be heard. Sometimes you may have a case when the most outlandish claims end up being true. And again, if you don't follow up on a lead, aren't you shortchanging the investigation? I'm changing things up a bit again this week, as I got the opportunity to sit down with one of Amy's closest friends from Bay Village, Christy Zabo and hear her memories of the type of girl Amy was. Because too many times, the victim in a case that goes on for as long as this one ends up being forgotten in the end. The killer is the one who ends up with more press, and I want to make sure the listeners have a true understanding of the type of girl Amy was. Christie provides insights into the type of person Amy was as a kid, and how much her abduction and murder changed the city of Bay Village. I will also speak with Amy's dad about the type of daughter Amy was, and hopefully this episode will provide you, the listener, the reason why this case haunts everyone who grew up in the Cleveland area in 1989. This episode is meant to give you the sense of who Amy was and how the murder shaped the lives of so many people in the Cleveland area. So join me for episode six, properly titled... Amy. Give me a little, just a little bit of background of what Amy was like when she was a kid, when you guys were uh, really close.
2: We met in second grade. We had the same teacher. Um, we instantly clicked.
3: You're listening and, to Christy um, Zabo as she remembers forget, Amy Mihaljevic.
2: Um My mom answered the phone and it was Amy's mom and they were asking if I could sleep over at her house. And my mom looked at me and was like, aren't you a little young for a sleepover? She's like, are you sure you're gonna be okay if you go sleepover at someone's house? You're not gonna be too scared. I'm like, no, I really want to. I would love to have a sleepover. I w- totally wanted to go. So yeah, my first sleepover ever was at Amy's house in second grade. And uh, it was fun, it was cool. That is cool. Yeah.
3: What, <clears throat> what kind of things did you guys do when you were there? Um, They're like when you slept over, I mean, what kind of activities did you guys participate in?
2: You know, we would just hang out up in her room and she had this big, glorious dollhouse. Uh, she had horses that we would play with we would run around and you know just be kids really at her house we would uh, go into her parents room and they had a tv in there we would watch golden girls and uh just laugh and have fun and uh she would rock herself to sleep and it was really cute she would ask if i minded if she rocked and i would say no rock on
3: so what other type of things did you and Amy do when you guys were sleeping over at each other's houses?
2: I'm trying to remember what else we would watch with Golden Girls. Thank you for being a Travel down road. You know, when that was in second grade, I'm pretty sure it was third grade. We were a little older, but I remember Dirty Dancing came out
0: but I don't want you to have anything to do with those people again. Baby, I don't see you running up to Daddy telling him I'm your guy.
2: Well, with my father, it's complicated. I will tell him I'm... I
0: i do not believe you, baby. She shows him all he can be.
2: You gotta stop it now.
0: I know what I'm doing, Penny.
2: I'm scared of everything. Most of all, I'm scared of walking out of
0: this room and never feeling the rest of my whole life the way I feel when I'm with you. What they learn from each other feels too good to be wrong. Dancing. Starring
2: Patrick and Swayze. we General watched it at my house and my mom was like are you kidding me you should not be watching this movie and we were like we have to watch this Patrick Swayze is so hot and we would like pause it when he was getting out of bed to try to see his butt because there was like a shot where he was getting out of bed and we would try to pause it so we could see his butt when he was getting out of bed.
3: <laughs> Listening to Chrissy speak about how Amy was as a child I can't help but think back to my conversation with Mr. Mihalovic and the way that he described Amy as a kid and how she was such a daredevil at the pool <clears throat>
0: um, we belonged it's gone now it's, it's all filled in but there was a a, a, a swimming pool out there in the the Blue Marlin and uh, we belonged to that and um, Amy was five years old she was Di- not diving, but jumping off the high
3: dive. Christy was very candid about how Amy was able to help her learn how to swim, as well as conquer the fear of jumping off the high dive. None of which is surprising to me after I had spoken with Mark Maholovic. But this was Christy's take on the pool. Where did yeah. you guys go swimming? Bay pool. Was it the bay pool? All the time. Yeah?
2: Yeah. All the time.
3: And, uh... Her dad, Mark, had mentioned that she was a little bit of a daredevil.
2: Uh-huh.
3: Is that something yes, that uh, she, sure. she showed you as well?
2: She got me to do a lot of things as far as swimming. She, I would say she taught me how to swim a lot. She taught me a lot because, you know, I was pretty scared to go in the deep end and off the high dive, and she had me jumping off the high dive.
3: <laughs> yeah, that's actually one thing that Mark mentions is that, you know, uh, when they went to go to that Blue Marlin
2: oh, uh, yeah. swim
3: club, that there was, a, I guess, a high dive yeah. that she would... Uh,
2: Oh yeah. No fear. No fear. She had me going off of it. I remember standing there and she, yeah, I went off. And, I, and then her and I were jumping off a high dive. I don't even think I would do it today actually. <laughs> <laughs> but when I was in second and third grade with Amy, I would jump off the high dive and it was so much fun. And we would play. We would just hang on the deep end and dive for things and run around and then we would go eat snacks. And if we got cold, we'd go in the shower and you know stand in the hot water in the showers if we were cold.
3: The way Christy saw it was that Amy was independent enough to be her own person. She was more of a leader than a follower.
2: When you're a child, you're more or less a follower. And, you know, I would say she was more of a leader in that aspect because of the fact that, you know, she would do her own thing and not really care what everyone else was doing. You know, very self-aware and very, you know, okay with herself and who she is. Not minding if, you know, everyone's going to recess. I'm going to sit here and finish this project or... You know, if I want to be a dog, everyone let's go be dogs. You know, she was starting that. You know, she was very, you know, she had her own mindset. And, you know, people embraced it. I embraced it for as long as I could.
3: Outside of school, Amy and Christy were best of friends.
2: You know, I mean, when you're young, you have, you know, you kind of buddy up. So I was buddied up with Amy. We had our sleepovers and we did our thing. For a long time, for a couple years, it was Amy and I. And I know there was neighbors on the street that we would hang out with every once in a while. And, yeah, we had other friends, and she made other friends as well. Um, But, yeah, for a couple years, it was just Amy and I. She was magnetic. I would say a lot of people, you know, uh, were drawn to her. We would go on the playground and play, and she would go out on the playground, and she would say, let's all be dogs, and let's run around and be dogs and literally every single kid would be a dog behind Amy and then she would say, like, let's skip to the side and we would skip to the side and I very vividly remember doing this on the Normandy playground. Just chasing behind her and her I think she I mean, my vision she's wearing this green sweatsuit. She had this green sweatshirt on and green sweatpants and I remember like following her around and I remember one time before recess we were drawing, we had art and we were making this big, beautiful picture and she would not stop and I'm like Amy let's go to recess and she was like just one more minute and she was left-handed and I remember watching her with her left hand and her hair down and she was just in there and she was like I remember her making birds and just adding on like little final touches and how artistic she was and I'm like god mine sucks (laughs) the heck like she's so good and I'm like this is my drawing of like a sky and a sun and a green grass you know like (laughs) horrible art and she hers was beautiful like she was an artist and she was funny, and yeah, everyone was drawn to her. She had a really you know magnetic, I would say, energy about her for sure.
3: That gives a lot of insight into the type of person that she was as uh, you know as you got older, I mean did did her personality change?
2: Um you know i don't I don't know if her, I would say her personality changed. I would say that her and I, you know as we did get older, you know. Um, we didn't have the same classes together, or not classes, class. You know, you have a homeroom teacher, and if you're in the same class, it's easier to hang out and you see each other more, so. Um, When we saw each other all the time, it was basically, you know, the same Amy all the time. We would go to the pool in the summers. We would spend almost every single day at the pool, swimming. And uh, um, we would go home and have sleepovers, and then, you know, I remember I started to play soccer, and she did not play soccer, so her and I drifted a little bit because of that, so.
3: What was your recollection of what that day was like?
2: I still feel horrible horrible about it because we were all at a party. We were at a Halloween party at one of my girlfriend's houses, and um, my mom came running down the stairs and said, have any of you girls seen Amy? Amy didn't come home from school today. And we were with uh, 12 of us, maybe. There was a bunch of us, almost like the whole soccer team. We were at a Halloween party at my girlfriend's house, and... um, She comes, my mom was frantic running down the stairs. Please tell me one of you guys have talked to Amy. Has anyone talked to Amy? Amy didn't come home from school today. And we were all like, what? And we all looked at each other and we were like, what do you mean Amy didn't come home from school today? And it was very somber and we were all very scared and we all hung out and stayed close and called our parents and told our parents we loved them. Um, And as an adult, I feel guilty that she wasn't at that party because who knows if she had been invited to that party, but it was a soccer, we were soccer players and, like I said, you know, her and I drifted a little bit. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was it was it it was hard then. It's still hard now. Yeah. Yeah.
3: And um, you know, obviously, you you mentioned being scared. Yeah. You know, did very you, scared. Was was that feeling? I mean, was that just the general feeling amongst everybody in the city? I mean, because you you know you were in the same grade. I mean, was that obviously it had to be the talk of
2: Well, it was so scary and Halloween was in a couple days and it was a different Bay Village after that. I mean, Bay Village went from everyone on the streets, kids riding their bike to the pool. We would ride our bike to Baskin Robbins. We would ride around town and not care and play Ghost in the Graveyard. We'd be up past dark and it wouldn't matter. And then the next morning we wake up, we all go home to our parents and we have wide eyes. Like, Mom, Amy came home last night, right? tell me Amy came home, and no, Amy never came home. We don't know where Amy is. And it was very scary, and I mean, it was a time when you, know, you wanted to stay closer to your parents, and you were at, also at an age where you didn't want to be that close to your parents. So it was very, it was scary. It was really hard and scary. And Bay Village was not the same after that, for sure. I'm very overprotective. I'm a helicopter mom, and they will tell you if you ask them, I'm a helicopter mom. And my teenager hates it. He hates me for it. But you know, I'm not supposed to be his friend. I'm his mom, so. I'm gonna helicopter his little butt.
3: (laughs) And you're gonna make sure he's home safe.
2: I'm gonna make sure he's safe, absolutely. That's, I mean, it's my job and, ugh, you know, there's a scar there that will never heal.
3: You still think it looms over the city?
2: Ah, in a way. I wish it loomed a little bit more, (laughs) Um, but um, no, I mean, I think us directly affected by it, uh, it will definitely, definitely looms over us, but I think that Bay Village has definitely moved on. Really? Yeah. I'm not saying the police department or, you know, the Mihaljeviks or anybody personally affected by it. I'm sure it's still, but no, I truly feel that, you know, um, Bay is a safe place. Everyone feels that Bay is one of the safest places, and Bay is safe. Um, and I believe that new people who have moved into Bay, some I, I bet if you asked some some people who just moved into Bay if they know about Amy Mahalovic, they would say no. So I personally don't think that it's. I wish it. I mean, now I feel like it's getting a lot more attention than it has been. So I really like that. I like that for some reason now. Um, I've talked about it more now in the past few weeks and months and I've talked about it in years, which maybe it's a good thing, maybe this case will finally get solved and we'll find out who did it because that is the one thing that looms over me and it's the one thing that looms over all of us directly affected by it because this man, this generic white male, is still out there somewhere and we have no idea who he is, really what he looks like, and really how she even ended up with him. So there's so many what ifs in this case and it's, that's the scariest part, I think, for everybody And as me as an adult now, having children of my own, that scares me, Um, a lot scares me. I'm a very private person with my kids and you know, it's a lot, it's a lot to take in. My kids think I'm crazy, but I've been directly affected by a huge tragedy, so. So even
3: if they do find the, I mean, it's just, it's a void.
2: I mean, I will rejoice the day they solve this case, although it still always be a scar. But to finally find out what happened to her, I mean, oh my goodness, how, uh, How, I mean, just a deep breath for just the Maholovics, that poor family and her brother and her dad, and oh my gosh, and her, uh, me and her friends, I mean, everybody, like, how awesome that would be to finally find out what happened to her and who did it. Because the fact that he's still out there living free, when, you know, he did this sick thing to a child,
3: That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's aggravating. Yeah, it can. It's very frustrating. The fact that this person's still out there. Mm
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And, uh, you know, I actually, when I was uh, interviewing Chief, uh, or not Chief, but uh, Special Agent Torsney, you know, I asked him, I said, you know, does it feel like we're in a high, or like with peaks and valleys in any case, does it feel like we're kind of at a crescendo or crescendo or Mm -hmm. you know whatever the proper word is but um like we're kind of like we're at a really Mm
2: -hmm. good
3: spot in the investigation and you know his response you can read a lot into body language and the way that I took it was yes like there is a reason why there is a lot of attention being given to it right now and I don't know if it's just because we're coming on the 30 year anniversary or the fact that, you know, maybe the fact that Chief Spetzel is retiring in a couple of years, it, it's a final push to, get, to the, get the answers, but it does feel like we will have some sort of resolution
2: sooner. I think so too. And I think what they need and I think what they've been waiting for is somebody knows something and I think they need somebody who knows something to come forward. And I really think that, you know, with all you're right I mean with all this attention on it right now and I mean I literally have not talked about it this month this much in years so I really do feel like I feel like they're close and I feel like they need just a little bit more and I mean I wish I wish they could find it and I wish they could get it and I wish somebody if somebody knew something I wish they would just come and say something you never know the littlest thing might help them out and You know, I don't know if someone's scared to say something because it's scary, you know. I don't know if this man who did this is scary and if he's still out there, if someone's scared of, you know, if they say something against him, if he'll come after them or, you know, who knows. But I really, I hope, I'm hoping, I thought after that curtain was pulled out that it would be solved by now.
3: Well, I can tell you that they have received a lot of leads on that particular curtain and they're still working on following those up. yeah, special agent tours, and you mentioned that that is something that they're still continuing to work I on. I wish
2: they didn't wait however many 20-some years to pull it out, but, I mean, <laughs> memories have faded since then. So, I mean, I unfortunately. It.
3: Unfortunately, I yeah. you know, time has been, yeah, you look at the curtain and you go, I can't even think about the curtains that I had 15 years ago, no. let alone 30 years ago. And as
2: a child, if they're asking a child or anybody who would have been Amy's age, nobody knew what their curtains looked like back then. So, I mean, it would... I mean, I, even if it was... Like, I guess it wouldn't be a child because it would be... I mean, obviously that curtain's identified with her killer, so it wouldn't be a child identifying that curtain. But, I mean, even the person could be dead. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's been so long. Like, who knows if they're around? I don't know.
3: Yeah, I, I, I do. I do think that... You know, Spetzel mentions, he goes, if I would have sent all this evidence that we had collected from the crime scene, if the curtain and the blanket would have been on the body, or within like 10 Mm -hmm. feet of the body, or 20 feet of the Mm -hmm. body, the FBI would have tested that stuff in a heartbeat. Immediately. But the problem was at the time, they were like, you know, they found that 300 yards down the Mm -hmm. field, and they just didn't really know if, um, you know, what the connection was. And yeah, it, is, it does seem like that they probably could have come out with it a little bit sooner than.
2: Well, my like favorite thing about that curtain is that it was her dog that connected her to it. And I always said that her dog, that how much she loved her dog. And the first interview I did with the FBI, I'll never forget, they said to me, would Amy ever run away? And I remember looking at them like, no, Amy loved her dog too much. She would never leave her dog. And I remember, like, the look on their faces, and it was, like, it wasn't disappointment, but it was the realization that they're talking to a child, and that my brain isn't really wrapping my head around the fact that Amy is gone, and I, they just realized how innocent I was at that moment when I said she loved her dog so much, so that was really all I could think about was her dog and how much she loved her dog, and obviously she loved her mom and her dad, but I just remember as a child, like, how much, you know, we bonded with her dog, and she was such an animal lover, and... You know, I just love that they found her dog hairs on that curtain because that's just to me that was awesome. Because apropos, she loved him. right?
3: I mean, if that's what ends up being the thing that brings know. this case to a close, her dog, her dog, and how much she loved the dog, right? You know, I always it, it said that it would just be so <laughs> apropos. I, I mean, know. that would be just that's that would, it. That would be amazing. Right? Um, Perfect. Yeah, that would be, uh, that would be perfect. You know, do you have any, like, any one memory that you want to share that, you know, people maybe not know about Amy or just, you know, anything that's just, could Um, describe, you know, just sort of help the listeners understand, you know, this little girl isn't.
2: Um, you know, I've shared most of my memories, you know, I mean, just her asking if she could rock herself to sleep is a huge memory of mine, how she would just put her hands, you know, like up to her, up to her uh, chest and just rock herself to sleep. And, uh, just swimming with her. And, um, I remember my hands, this is a weird one, I just came, I remember, you know when you swim and your hands get really uh, dry? pruny. And I hate that that's still to this day that's my worst feeling. And I remember looking at Amy, I'm like, I hate this feeling. Why do my hands feel like this? And she's like, Use lotion. <laughs> <laughs> so she saved my life with lotion. In the backseat of my mom's van. I'll never forget. Like lotion will help. So lotion. I now I can't now i I have to use lotion all the time because I cannot stand that feeling.
3: You're obsessed with lotion. Yes,
2: right? and Amy was there for that moment for that clarity of mine <laughs> from driving home from the pool one day.
3: Well, that's uh that's really, that's really great. And I do appreciate you, um, sharing your thoughts on, or your memories on Amy. I know this is a difficult subject matter and, you know, it's, it's, okay. you know, it's, uh,
2: I love talking about her. I want, you know, I love, I love her forever. And, um, I would love for her to rest in peace because she deserves it. And I truly believe that, you know, once this is solved i feel like everyone will be able to take a deep breath and i feel like amy is right now out there she's she's a leader she's leading us she'll bring she'll she'll get justice for this man eventually and then she can go rest in peace and you know i'm sure she already is enjoying her time but you know she needs to be you know peaceful
3: there needs to be closure
2: there needs to be closure especially for her family
3: yeah well, thank you very much. You're welcome. I really appreciate it. I know this is tough, so it's okay. Thank you. Thanks again. Sure. After speaking with Christy, I wanted to hear what the weekends were like for Mark Mahalovic and the family. Uh, but then on the
0: weekends we would try to do something uh, as a family, or go someplace, or whatever. Amy was into horseback riding, and we'd go to horse shows, or we'd do something, or you know, it's there was no set that on Saturday at a certain time we had to be certain place at a certain time. That, well, the one that Amy rode was a sh- uh, 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 show horse. I mean, it would go to all the shows and I don't know, you know, be judged. and uh, uh, I can't think of the name, what brand it was. Appaloosa? Is that? I think I, I think it was.
3: You've heard this clip before, but it is the best description that Mark Maholovic gives on his daughter Amy Maholovic.
0: Well, back to Amy. So Amy was a can-do person, uh, very smart. Uh, she was book, very book smart. Uh, did well in school. Uh, uh, athletics, horses, and, and school, and, and just usually pretty, pretty quiet. If she didn't know you, she wasn't going to talk to you.
3: To give the listener an idea of how safe Bay Village is, I wanted to read a clip from the most recent rankings of the Cleveland suburbs from Cleveland Magazine in June 2018. Tell someone you're from Bay and it means something. Tucked along the Lake Erie shoreline, the bedroom community of about 15,000, is a place where residents who grow up there return to raise a family. And it's easy to see why. Along the leafy streets, folks are out walking, biking, pushing strollers, and lingering to chat long after the school bus leaves the stop. Even with more than a third of its housing stock built in the 1950s, Bay's cozy bungalows and Cape Cods have been added on to with care, because their owners would rather stay put than leave their neighborhood. Amy's case will forever haunt Christie, as well as impact the way she raises her children. The same can be said for thousands of people who lived through the horror of Amy's kidnapping. Even if you were just a member of the community, with no ties to the Mihaljevic family, you felt their loss. No family should be left to carry the burden of losing a daughter, especially when that killer still lives amongst us today. I'm going to say something to one person, and that person will know whom they are. You have a clock that is ticking, and when it goes off, there will be no turning back. Once your DNA comes in and the match is made, you're toast. And so are your days of freedom. You could just roll into the Bay Village Police Department and turn yourself in. I know a few people there that would love to have a conversation with you. It is you that has clouded this case. You are the unknown male who looks like John Denver. Mark Mihaljevic's words, not mine. But you have to realize that the walls are closing in. Do you hear the footsteps as you walk to the grocery store? The next time you hear them, they may be the last day you taste freedom. And the mask you've been hiding from behind all these years will reveal the true villain that you really are. To say that you are a wanted man by authorities is a given. But when you have a community such as Bay Village, with a backbone that is the city of Cleveland, you should start to be a little worried that technology is ready to knock on your door. The authorities are ready to take you down at a moment's notice. Are you ready? Thank you again for listening to this week's episode of Who Killed Amy Mihaljevic. I hope I've provided some clarity in who Amy was as a child, as well as how much of a void that her murder has left within the city of Bay Village. Thank you again for listening. I hope you stay tuned for next week's episode of Who Killed Amy Maholovic.
1: Next week on Who Killed Amy Maholovic. My name is Nick, and I'm from True Crime Garage, which is a fantastic podcast that you can listen to on anywhere you listen to podcasts. And we put out a new show every Tuesday night and we each week we cover a new case sometimes solved sometimes unsolved sometimes missing persons we've covered Amy Maholovic before which is one of uh, uh, cases kind of near and dear to me one that I've I remember seeing on the news when I was a child and um, you know followed the case ever since abduction and murder kind of really became real for me at that moment on next week's episode of who killed Amy Maholovic.
3: We will speak with Nick of the podcast, True Crime Garage, and we will discuss his feelings about the case and why this case has meant so much to him over the years. And we'll also ask how he feels the case has progressed. If you are interested in supporting independent journalism such as this podcast, you can click on the donate button on the bottom left on whokilledanymahalovic.com. If you could leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts, that will also help support the show and help get Amy's story the coverage it deserves. You can contact the Bay Village Police Department at 440-871-1234 if you have any new information regarding this case. The FBI is also offering a reward up to $25,000 for information leading to the arrest and conviction of the individual or individuals responsible for the death of Amy Renee Maholovic. Anyone with information concerning this case, please contact the FBI at 1-800-CALL-FBI. You may also contact your local FBI office or the nearest American embassy or consulate. Stay tuned for next week's episode of Who Killed? Amy Mahalovic. Thank you again for listening. Be safe.